everyone, and welcome to a very, very special episode of Rift Reaction, because MSI is around the corner, and we have a special guest that we're going to be talking with here in just a second. But first, let me introduce my co-host as always, Emily Rand. How's it going, Emily? Cool. It's cool to be back live. Uh, I quarantined myself last week because we're in Houston, and I was terrified of getting COVID. But I took two home tests, so I'm COVID-free, so let's go. Congratu Pretty awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, no, it's good It's good to have you back here in the uh, TGI studio, a.k.a. my extra room in my apartment, uh, because we have a special guest this week. Do you want to introduce him, Emily? I feel like, I feel like he's more your guest than mine in some ways, given where this, both it, of us... Is it just because you're just the NA guy? No, is, is no, no, this, <laughs> But I definitely, I definitely Travis feel, doesn't care about other regions. You, confirmed. <laughs> you have more expertise <laughs> for his team than I do. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Okay, so our guest is Joe Marsh. If you do not know him, he is the... So I'm going to get your title wrong here. You're the owner of T1, correct? I'm the CEO of Z1. CEO, there we go. Okay. And so owner. He's the CEO of T1 <laughs> and the owner. Uh, I think the last time we met was at 2019 Worlds, I want to say. Yeah, Germany. Uh, in Europe. Yep. Yeah. So thank you for coming on. And we're going to ask you a bunch of questions about your team since they are favorites to take this competition. I feel like it's not a hot take to say that at all. Well, thanks for well, having me. <laughs> Joe, Joe, I think one of the first things I'd love to ask you, even before we get into the specific stuff about um, about MSI and and T one, is what is it like operating this organization as an LCK team? Because as we talk, you're in you're not too far from us. I think if I believe if I understand correctly, I think you're in LA right now at the G four studio. Yep. Um, and so obviously the lck teams it's they're, they're over in korea uh it's a very different setup i think from a lot of the ways that lck orgs work and how korean esports orgs have worked for a long time so i'd love to kind of just hear a little bit about yourself and how you you ended up doing this and how you manage the whole dynamic of being over here in america the, that team being over there yeah so um you know, we, we, I think we're similar in the sense of other Korean owners because we are owned by conglomerates, right? Like I came to, to T1 from the Comcast side and then obviously the SK Telecom side uh, owned T1. But, um, you know, I, I think what's different from T1 versus the other teams is that we invest kind of up and down in terms of infrastructure, you know, facilities, teams, um, and we try to, kind of build a build a moat around Korean talent. I mean, it's why we have three different teams. It's why we launched an academy business. It's why we spend so much time and energy and money into to scouting the next generation of players. Cause you look at the roster that we have now, you know, four fifths of the starting roster are from the Academy system of T1, right? Carrie is the only exception to the rule. So um, yeah, we, we, we try to do things a little bit different. Um, and when I came to T1, you know, we were 45 minutes north of Seoul and Ilsan, um, mismatched desks and chairs and PCs. Like you would never, never have known three-time world champions just kind of lingering up there in the, in the, uh, the farmlands. But 
Um, yeah, we really kind of professionalized the approach. We just kind of uh, amplified all the things that were great about um, SKT T1 and, and then kind of leveled it, leveled it up, so to speak. Um, and then just built the right infrastructure, put the right people in place. Um, you know, I think I got, it took me a minute to find the right coach, but I think, you know, Polt, uh, I finally got exactly what I was looking for in terms of not only like temperament, but educational background, just, you know, ability to be a, a reasonable person and kind of pragmatic. And, um, you know, it, I stopped chasing ghosts of trying to find a famous coach to, to replace Coma. And when he left and um, I feel like we're finally, we're finally hitting our stride in kind of year three of, of the JV. And, um, you know, we've, been off to a good start and I'm just excited to see if we can kind of continue the ride at MSI. I have a quick question that I've always been curious about and I haven't heard in other interviews so uh, I'm sorry if you've been asked this question before but does T1 do a lot of uh, internal scrimming with the main team and your uh, challengers teams? I've always wondered that just because I think a previous staple of South Korean League of Legends, in my opinion, was the sister team system where the idea was that both teams were improving off of each other and they developed really unique play styles from scrimming each other constantly. So is that something that T1 does? And if so, do you think it helps? It has helped this team become what they are? So no, we don't we don't scrim the the challengers team. Um, last year when we had a ten man roster, we would do the kind of the in house kind of you know a a versus b. Um, but we've kind of you know changed the way we do things. So like when we're when we're limit testing, when we're doing things that we don't want people to see, like pocket pick <laughs> zacks, you know things like that. We we do those offline and kind of out of out of sight, and we don't kind of show. Um, but for the most part, we kind of follow the standard traditional Korean scrim schedules, you know, two, three hour blocks. And that's kind of it. Um, a lot of the extra stuff, uh, we do on the side guys individually work on their crafts, um, which is, I think probably unique in the sense that they're between their scrim schedules and all the other things they're doing, they're finding times to kind of work on specific things. I think Carrie is a really good example of someone that kind of works on specific things that he wants to improve upon. And I think you're seeing he's literally the, the, probably the best offensive support. I mean, he probably spends more time roaming the map than he does like helping Guma down there in the bot lane. Cause Guma doesn't really need a ton of assistance down there. Cause he's, he's, you know, good on his own. So um, just little things like that. And I think, you know, even someone like Faker, especially when like the patches shift, you know, they're, they're putting the time in to kind of get it right. And I think, in Korea, at least, you know, the team that figures out the patch quickest, at least early on, always seems to get off, um, you know, get good momentum. And uh, what I've learned in the past three years of LCK is like how you start and the momentum you get early on and really just kind of carries through. You saw it this year in our spring, like where we kind of figured if we got to six and oh, we could definitely get to 12 and oh. And it just kind of snowballed. All right. I, I'm going to start actually. So, like, all the way back, you already mentioned Polt, but. One thing that is really cool about the current T1 team that we're about to see at the Midseason Invitational, in my opinion, is how much they've been able to grow as a team from, you know, when they started mid-summer all the way through finals, through Worlds. It, Worlds in particular, I think, was f a phenomenal showing for this team. Um, it started off of something that wasn't necessarily that great. So like, I guess take me through the initial substitutions, the coaching changes, and what you thought like this team could become in the future. 
Yeah. So I'll go even a little bit further back. Like I think with, with, with Danny and the other coaches, like I try not to interfere. Like I try to like give the coaches like the tools they need and let them go and do their thing. Right. So when we were doing all the switching in spring of last year, obviously it's concerning because if you're switching and not winning, it's uh, it compounds on itself versus if you're switching and you're winning and it's fine. Uh, and winning, as you guys know, like it, it, it masks things that are wrong. Right. So when you're not winning and you're switching and everyone's criticizing you. And I think, you know, I think Danny felt a certain way about the criticism that he was receiving and, and, and didn't, you know, appreciate it because he's coming off a world championship. So, yeah, I was trying to be patient up until and through the end of spring when we were eliminated from the playoffs. And then, because I knew what we had, we've seen everybody play, right? Like, it was probably the only time I've ever said, like, this is who's playing. I've never, like, I've always let him play. Like, anyone, even with Kim, it was like, play who you're going to play. I'm not going to interfere. I'm not going to interfere. But, like, I saw the day, I read the Danny book last, the, the year prior with Kim. Like, I, I saw what happens with, like, being two hands off and like just letting the, the car crash happen. So what I, I didn't want to waste, I didn't want to waste summer. I, I knew we had a good team. Like it's just that we weren't gelling. And that was the only time I really kind of stepped in in, in the sense of like, Hey, this is the roster. And obviously Polt delivered the message, but, um, and then even when summer started, you could just see it. And I, I, when you know, like you ever walk into a room, you know, something's wrong. Like the, the vibe or there's like the, the, the way the guys are like, cause you're seeing the kids now and what they look like and how they act versus how they were feeling and looking back then. I, I just knew like a change had to happen, which culturally in Korea, you don't ever really see a mid season kind of, you know, change. Um, I, you saw it quicker than it might change this year with the uh, DRX. I think it was like two games or three games, but so, but I just knew it was right. It was the right thing to do for us. Um, and we were going through some turmoil. My, my, my dear friend and CEO, John passed away. Like it was just so many things is compounding on it, or, or it itself. And one of the last conversations I had with John was the decision with Polt to, to move on from Danny and, and Zephyr. So, and we knew what we had in Polt. I knew he was like the right person. And I'm glad that he got to step in. Unfortunately, like, because of like, nomenclature and stuff he couldn't be called head coach just because of the way it was set up and like the the rules so he was kind of the head coach but not in terms of like on paper but i think stardust and moment did a great job and to kim's credit moment was a junior coach when he brought him in in 2020 and ended up being a really really great coach because he worked super hard um but i think with paul what he allowed us to do was he was able to you know, rely and leverage his own professional championship level experience in StarCraft uh, and later in, in TFT and just relate to the guys versus, you know, being told what to do. And a lot of it became like when you, when you, when the change happened, it was like, great. What do you guys want to play? Because a lot of the messaging you heard from the guys prior to the change was we can't do this move because we're going to get yelled at or they were predetermining things before they got into the rift and like no one wanted to deviate from the play because they didn't want to get, get repercussions from it. So what Polt instilled, instilled was like, look, like we'll coach you up until, you know, we finish the draft and then you guys are pro players and know what you're doing. If you see something, say something, go do it. And like five of you have a voice, you're allowed to have five shot callers. Like, 
And gone were the days of like only one person gets to call the shots. And it was like when that change happened, I think you start seeing the momentum end of spring, obviously didn't win the or end of summer, didn't win summer. But then we showed up in Iceland and it was just like a completely different team, right? They, they were having fun. They were enjoying each other's company. They were, I mean, Guma especially was really enjoying the three dinners he was having with the burgers and pizzas. Like it was just a different team. Like I was around 2019 super team at Worlds where like it wasn't fun. Like it was never, even when we won, it was just like a relief versus being fun. Whereas in Iceland, we were having fun. We were going to enjoy our steak dinners, which became a tradition of after we would win big things. And we were we were one game away from from being in, in, in World's Finals. And unfortunately, we didn't make it. But I think that situation and that kind of momentum and the fact that we didn't change rosters really, I mean, it was Polt's call to, to go with Zeus uh, up top. And he said that from his estimation and the other coaches – Zeus just needed time and playing time. And he couldn't tell me if it was like 36 games or maybe it was 18 games, but he thought Zeus had a really, really high upside. He just needed time. So instead of going after, you know, name your price free agents, right? Which I think, I think I've been tweeted at a million times regarding, you know, a variety of top planners. Um, But none of us expected Zeus to grow this quickly, this fast, you know, this spring, which is a part of the reason why we were so dominant because he was able to hold his own and we could focus on the entire map and not just put resources up, up there. It, it feels like Polt has been kind of the perfect partner for you in a way, because he's spent so much time in like Western esports environments. Uh, and then obviously is deeply connected to the Korean esports environment. So do do you feel like he's just kind of like this perfect individual that that blends all this so that he could kind of help bridge you into that system? Uh yeah, I mean I mean we we joke with him. We made him a, we made him a T1 Captain America shirt cuz his nickname's Captain America. Um but yeah, no, I think you know, he's bilingual. He you know, he was served in the military, high tier pro player, went to Seoul National University like this is a guy that literally checks every single box. If you were like making a, a, a pro gamer, like like showing them to like a college, it's like, this is what you want. You could be, he's done such a great job because Polt, he's really good and nuanced with the things that I'm not great at in terms of like, not, you know, tweeting too much. Right. Like it's just like Polt can communicate and, and, and be the even keeled hand. And then we're a good duo in the sense that when we're trying to you know, work with riot, you know, the good cop, bad cop uh, really works well uh, for, for us. And yeah, he's just allowed me to not worry so much about the day ins and day outs of like, is the team going to perform? Because obviously we're, for us, you know, it's in our fans, like, they live and die by how this team is performing. I mean, we're for all intents and purposes, you know, the national team of Seoul or of Korea. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it's always difficult when every everyone's giving their best to to beat you every single time, and I think Polt is provided that steady hand when we needed it the most, and you know I think um, he's done a really good job of helping develop the the roster into something that's you know pretty formidable. I'm going to go through this season a bit because I think uh, obviously it was a historic winning season for you guys um but additionally there were a lot of complications for other teams regarding 
uh, COVID and stuff like that. I know you've, I, I don't know if I want to say outspoken because sometimes it's like these kind of sh tweets throwing shade a little bit, kind of like testing the waters. I don't know how you want to describe that. Um, but go through the difficulties of this season, uh, outlining the challenges regarding the rules uh, around LCK teams and how they were playing, whether they're allowed to play offline. I know a lot of it for people that don't know, and I've already had this context previously, a lot of it does have to do with prior match fixing things that were well before this season and just kind of overshadow a lot of things in Korean esports in terms of legislation. But yeah, just take me through the difficulties of this season, even against, because this is a backdrop for, again, like a historic winning season for you guys. Yeah, I think I, I kind of feel for the LCK and, and, and the Riot, you know, Riot Korea team, because if they put the rules they had in place in the playoffs from day one, uh, we would have played Gen G, right? If all the player uh, uh, early on, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been the COVID year, right? So, I understand why they couldn't make the changes, you know, midstream because like some teams were already kind of feeling the effects of they had to have players sit out, or I mean, I think one point the team had the, a literal entire challengers roster come up there. So, I wish the playoff uh, rules were in place from January first. Um, it was unfortunate that the playoff rules that you saw almost didn't even happen um, because there wasn't consensus. And I know like, I got in trouble for you know pointing that out and some of the teams were upset. But the fact that you wouldn't want that, just to, I, I was scratching my head. I was like, why wouldn't you want the best players to play? Like, you know, and, and selfishly for me too, like I was, I was doing the math. We were the only team really that, that didn't have anyone with COVID the, you know, based on how things were spiking in Korea and it was like 600,000 cases a day, it was only a matter of time before our guys, you know, were going to get exposed, right? Like, and we, we kept them in a, like a literal bubble for like the entire year. We didn't leave the bubble that they, they went to the, they went to the apartment, to the building. No one was allowed in the building. They, they got to eat separately from everybody else. Not, like it was so segmented and like it was, it was like groundhog day, the same routine every single day. And then the one time we left the bubble in spring finals to go, you know, film a video for the end, which is a very cool video. The guys got sick and I, I would love to debunk the rumor. Like, so our guys tested that Friday when they said that I don't feel good. We, everyone tested and they were negative. And then we thought we were good to go. And then on the, on the stage and you can like watch it in real time. I remember sitting there with my wife and she's like, what's wrong with moment? And he was just sweating profusely, like just dripping down. I'm like, oh no. And then you could see them all like just deteriorating as the game was going on. I think in between games two and three, like owner was like, had his head down in the back and like, oh, he must be really distraught with the loss. It's like, no, I don't, I think something's wrong. And like, we even released the behind the scenes footage where Faker was kind of like, look, if we don't end this in four, I, I'm not sure the fifth game is going to, going to go great for us. So luckily we got it done, but. Um, yeah, I mean, there had to have been a better way to do the rules. I, I, I'm sympathetic to like the past history and like why they didn't want to. And I'm glad there was a compromise for playoffs at least. So at least the, like the best players were going to play and you, you would see, uh, you know, the best product, but, um, it, it, it was not great, you know, from three months standpoint where you're the league and the teams are getting a bunch of crap from everybody, everybody like saying, you know, it's the COVID year and it's the asterisks and whatever. 
Um, but I think at the end, regardless of the COVID, like I think who was in the finals was going to be in the finals and who won was going to win. I think in the spring, we, we should have been the strongest team. We made the least amount of changes and we have a, a strong roster. But I, I said this throughout all the spring. Summer is going to be completely different. Like all the teams that made roster changes, there's going to be probably nine really, really good teams in the summer. And, and now Damwon, you know, with the addition of Nogari, they, they've gotten way stronger and hopefully they can get their 2020 magic back, right? So, because you want strong teams out of, out of the league, you want to iron sharpens iron. So, I think summer is going to be really tough. I mean, it's going to be a lot of a lot of really good teams playing. So I'm looking forward to it. How confident are you in your team's performance at MSI then? Because if if you're kind of like, well, we're a great team, but we were set up for success in spring, that might not also uh, mesh as well with this narrative that like you guys are the best team in the world and everything's amazing and everything's perfect. It it sounds to me like there's a chance you could perceive MSI as being a test that goes beyond what you've had to face in spring then. Yeah. I mean, look, I think our biggest opponent is 35 ping. I mean, my guys are instructed not to even talk about it, but I, I can talk about it. So, you know, it's unfortunate. It's It's, it's just not... You know, it's just we play on nine ping in Korea. So to to pivot to thirty five, luckily, you know, all eleven teams are playing on the same thing. But um, you know, when it comes down to it, it, it I, I, in my opinion, and again, grain of salt, I think it comes down to LPL and LCK for for this event. Um, if that's nothing against you know G two and the, and the other teams, I think um, it's just that the way the groups ended up shaking out, the way. That it's likely gonna gonna play, uh, you know. I, I think that that's how it's gonna end up. Um, and do I think we can beat the LPL? Yeah, I think so. But again, the the ping is a is a factor that we have to to play into. And right now we're we're, we're currently playing catch up with the ping, um, you know, in scrims right now. So I think by the time we take the stage on the tenth, will we have most of the bugs worked out? I think so. But um, you know, luckily we have. A variety of games beforehand before we really have to make sure that we're we're kind of firing on all cylinders. But no, I think from the teams that made it, I'm not. You know, I think I think it's RNG and, and T1 will be the the two that go to the finals. And then you know, it took a miracle run to, for G2 to get there. Um, EG, I mean, it, come on, and and you know the other teams. You know, thanks for participating. Uh, how would you have liked to have seen Riot handle the ping situation given all all factors? Because it seems everybody's had a lot of opinions on it, but yeah. a lot of people are like, this sucks, right? Whereas I, and, I, and I'm not saying it doesn't suck, but I am curious uh, what you would have liked to have seen them uh, do for this. There, this this was literally the the Sophie's choice. It was this was the best case scenario, given that L, uh, RNG couldn't come. Like if, if RNG could come, there would there's no ping, right? Like, I the only thing I would say is like, hey, is there a scenario where if you're not playing RNG, you can be on you know zero ping, right? But then how does that work with scrims? Like you're scrimming on 35 ping, then you're not scrimming on 35 ping, so it would be get really messy. So you know, maybe in a world where, if, say, RNG doesn't make it to pass whatever group they end up going out at, like, do you go back to t- tournament level ping where it's zero to nine or whatever? That's the only thing I could see. Um, and not, it's not saying that Riot wouldn't do that, but um, I, I think they literally 
put forth the best possible solution, given that when we scrim the, the, the teams from the LPL, we are on that, you know, well, they're on the 40 pin, we're on the 10. So it's like, at least you're evening it out for everybody. Um, I know everyone says that, that the LPL is used to playing on, you know, 40 ping, but no, they're used to playing on 40 ping in solo queue. And then when they scrim the L- LCK teams once in a while. So everyone's used to playing on nine or whatever. Like, so, but I think what they put forth, given the hand that was dealt is kind of the best case scenario. Cause you couldn't, I, I, I certain would, like, I'd rather have 35 ping than RNG not playing in the event. That that that's a worst case scenario. I wouldn't want them not in. Yeah, I was gonna say I uh, I remember um, watching MSC, which I've brought up uh, a couple times, yeah. and it will still take time for the LPL teams to get used yeah. to that as well. Because I remember a lot of specifically missed Kindred ults, but just like the time the timing is gonna be off. I also have heard from players that um, they would vastly prefer to not have to play on varying ping like you said maybe if rng somehow like bombs out unexpectedly they could change it yep. uh however i've heard from players and coaches that it would probably be worse to have to go from fluctuating only when you play rng like that would actually be a worse practice environment so yeah. um your guys are practicing on 35 ping now yes we are yeah the entire all of the tournament Every, teams are everyone's okay. on 35 ping from what I've been told and the feedback that I've gotten from a variety of people was just that skill shot players are having the biggest adjustments. So in our world, it's Gumayushi, it's Faker. So they're the two at the biggest adjustments. I guess Karia to an extent as well, given the way he, you know, the champions he plays. But um, the, to your point with like, if we were doing Varian Ping, it's, you're reteaching yourself the mechanics of like the timing of it. So like it, it would be very difficult to play at a high level if you're on nine ping and then all of a sudden you're on 35 it's completely different and i think ls showed a video of, of the difference there but um yeah I'm, I'm glad it's at least it's consistent and then if something happens if the lpl does end up out um maybe they go back to to nine ping and so obviously i mean we have we have to ask you about your uh you kind of already covered it, but specifically your group, because you already covered like what you expect for the tournament. Um, your group is team. I, I don't know how to pronounce this, and I need to because I have not. Done I think my it's Ace on them, but Team Ace, yeah. Team Ace, like the Ace that's in their logo, yeah. uh, which would make sense. Saigon Buffalo, who qualified because uh, Gam Esports, the winner of the VCS this past split, actually can't attend because they're going to Southeast Asian Games. So Saigon Buffalo, who are also in the finals and actually lost to Gammy Sports, um, qualified as the VCS second seed. And then Detonation focused me back again, <laughs> back again to represent Japan. So like, what do you think of the overall group and how do you see groups shaking out uh, generally? Um, yeah, I, I think I think with Detonation Focus Me back in the group, I think it'll end up being T1 and, and, and Detonation Focus Me. Um, I'm hoping it's it's competitive between Ace and, and, and the Saigon Buffalo, and we kind of have some competitive matches. But um, I, I kind of see it shaking out, you know, probably six and zero for us, and then either four and two and or three and three for uh, DFM. Um, I think it'll be probably RNG and uh, Red Red Candids. Red Candids, am I saying that right? I think they're going to get. Yeah, I think, Red Canids. Really, though, that's a surprise. Yeah, that I is a very surprising I think opinion. I think they're going to get through. Um, 
I think I think they'll they'll get through. I think that'll be the because you have to have one shocker, right? I think that'll be the one because you know everyone wants PSG. Um, and then, I mean, <laughs> Group C, the the gift group, uh, it, it'll obviously be uh, G two EG. Um, poor order. Yeah, they they play eight games. They play more than everybody else, which is uh, interesting. Um, do you? Do you like this format, by the way? Like, uh, or is or are you just like, why why do we have to send our guys down to to fight it out in that group uh, and just take heads? You know, like, yeah, <laughs> because because obviously this is new last year, and in the and if it was before last year, you guys would not have had to fight uh, these three teams yeah. and have this kind of group. Uh, well, no, I mean, I, I've I think I've been on the record with I think MSI should have the, at the top two teams from each region go. Uh, and make it more of a mini worlds. I think that is more impactful. We only get to play, you know, international teams once or twice a year if we're lucky, right? So, I would rather see you know more of the top teams kind of converging on a on a city and and playing versus you know the kind of the one and done nature. Because like, look, if, if we're gonna play this out, right? I just gave you the groups, and then when you get out of it, it's gonna end up being LC, LCK, LPL, LEC, LCS. That'll be the top four, and then depending on where they they get situated you know it's like you know what the you're you know what the script is at this point like barring some kind of miracle run by somebody it's going to be the top four regions that are going to get through and so it's like there's no there's no mystery and when we go look at worlds there's always someone that like gets hot from the play-ins and then maybe steals a couple games and gets through so uh, i would prefer more teams so like whether you know if Liquid got in or Hundred Thieves got in, right? Like, you know, I would want to see that Mad Lions comes in, like, and then it changes the dynamic a little bit versus kind of, you know, seeing where things are going to play out and land. And you know, I would I would want a group where the smaller teams have a shot at getting out, like two of them get out of the groups versus the way it's currently situated, where it's likely one, you know, maybe two get out. We were talking about this before the recording started, but just take us through how the guys are doing. Uh, they arrived in Pusan of oh, two weeks ago, one week, week ago, twenty eighth. Okay, uh, so how are they doing? How are the accommodations there? What's the setup like? I assume they're staying on at Hyundai again. Yeah, like they're um, twenty eighteen worlds. Yeah, they're. Um... They're out of quarantine to, uh, tomorrow, so seven day kind of quarantine. Um, you know, it's it's consistent. Everyone has the same kind of setup. We, even though we're quarantined, we do have our own kind of private practice room um, in the facility. So you're not like kind of locked into your room like you were in uh, some of the other events, which is good. Um, you know, I think uh, I have heard no complaints about the accommodations. I, I saw the G the G two guys were you know. They saw Faker's aura in the elevator, uh, which is good. Um, so their teams are bumping into each other. I think everyone's kind of coordinating with their social teams like behind the scenes of like, hey, can we do a jersey swap? And like the, the fun things you get at Worlds, which of course we're, we're all going to participate in, um, which is cool. Um, I think, um, you know, I think they're ready to, to play. And they, uh, we're, we're excited that we're actually the first team to get going. Um, you know, like, like any event, there's things that you, you want to change that, um, you know, we, uh, my, my, my email fingers are on fire, uh, when I get my messages, when I wake up from poll. So, you know, just little things that we're, we, we 
reach out to Riot on. I, I've I've taken a different approach this this event, which is like don't tweet about it. Just like try to work behind the scenes with it, and then I guess if that fails, then we'll just put Faker on a microphone or we'll tweet. But you know, we we try. It to- gives us so much less to talk about when you do it that way. Uh, <laughs> Please, you know, the, <laughs> all the content, you talk about the jersey swap, but it's also really fun for all of us whenever we see what you're tweeting and complaining about. I know. Travis lives for the drama. I, I saw, it was funny though, because I saw, was it Vulcan that he tweeted that he solo killed Faker, Guma, and Carrie? Yes. Yeah, I think he did tweet that. Yeah. He did tweet that. Yeah, he sh- he should finish the rest of the story, and one, he should finish the sentence. I'm, I yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious if you could finish the sentence for us. I mean, it's a gen- gentleman's. I mean, it's a gentleman's honor, right? We don't we don't we don't talk about scrims, but if he's gonna give a, a snippet of one one scrim, he should he should tell people the rest of it. But uh, I'm sure well, maybe one fans we, will if be. If we get an interview, <laughs> maybe if we get an interview with him next week, uh, we'll we'll be able to to ask him about it. Yeah. Do that. That'd be good. <laughs> uh, well, Emily, I don't know if you have any other questions about MSI specifically, um, because I do have one kind of fun question looking forward. But if you have anything else on the the topic of MSI, I don't. But I also have a fun question that I want to ask about the T1 team. Are you, so you going to ask? Are you going to ask me about stealing the cardboard cutouts of the T1 team that's on the beach in MSI? No, but you should do that. Oh, we oh we are one. If, if, if we're victorious on the 29th, the cardboard cutouts are coming home with us. I, I'm surprised that someone else hasn't stolen them. To be quite honest, I am surprised. Considering as well. how many fans T1 has, I don't think anyone's down there yet because the event's a week away. Uh, yeah. So, but so yeah, I want Travis. Do you want to do your your question first? Yeah, I mean, so maybe maybe uh, Evelise is going to be more fun, but mine is a little uh, fun because it's looking ahead, which is Worlds is in North America right now, uh, or this year, and you're a North American organization um, with arguably the best team in the world. Uh, we'll, I guess we'll find out very soon. What are do you have like big plans for what you guys are going to be doing this year at Worlds, or like how you're going to be able to leverage a lot of the other resources you have access to here in North America? I'm sure there's specific things you can't announce, but I am kind of curious because I'm sure that this is like a very exciting moment for you just as a company. Yeah, for sure. So I, I guess a lot of it depends on if uh, Asian Games happens or not. So if if Asian Games, assuming it happens, like it's a really tight turnaround for us. Like we end the end of September, and then you go right to Worlds. So that'll change things a little bit. But assuming things shift and Asian Games gets pushed out a, a couple months, um, you know, the plan for us is to is to come to the states pretty early on. We obviously said like we're we're East West owned, so the Western side gets to get, bring the kids here. We have a ton of infrastructure in in the city of Philadelphia which is a short train ride away from where the groups and quarters are. So uh, going to leverage some infrastructure that we have in the city. Um, you know, I'd love to do an event uh, from, we'll probably, we'll probably land in LA, do, do something in K-Town and then shoot over to Philly. Um, we have one project that we'll, probably, we'll, we'll, we'll drop in September that we won't talk about, but um, I would love to leverage, obviously we're, we're Comcast owned. So 30 Rock is a 15 minute walk from the arena um, I have to go ask mom and dad if uh, we can get get a little pop up shop going out there in front of Thirty Rock, which would be pretty epic. Um, but yeah, and then the uh, the finals themselves are in a Comcast market too. So 
we're super excited. Like this is it's playing out really well for us. Um, you know, we've won two of our three championships in the state of California. Uh, it's obviously the Staples Center. So uh, we're we're just excited. Um, I'm excited to show the kids like the other side of the the company, right? Like they've seen all the the flexing that we were able to do, and and with SKT. Now I'll come over here and you know see uh, the other side and. We'll have plenty of good cheeseburgers and stuff for for Faker. I know that's always on the list, and there's no shortage of amazing steakhouses, uh, both in Toronto, uh, San Francisco, and New York. So uh, excited about kind of dining at some of those establishments. Maybe there's a Peter Luger's trip in the in our in our in our cards. I, I love that. That's the that's the hype like that you and Dot is. Uh, there's great steakhouses. I mean, I'm sure the players are excited about that. That's probably the thing that will stand out the most for them. But it is, it's it's exciting to see uh, what as as somebody who has covered the North America side for so long. It's I'm excited to see how much everything has leveled up um, since the last time we had Worlds in North America. And I think I look at T1 as a pretty big example of like. This is a very different set of circumstances than the last time uh, Worlds was in an age. Well, LCS, honestly, the LCS final, like, no, no, like, jokes aside, like, the crowd in Houston got me super hyped for Worlds because if that's what was happening for an LCS championship match, like, what is Worlds going to look like? I just feel like, I mean, I, I wish we were playing in a bigger venue for fun, you know, groups and quarters there, but, um, it's going to be super hype. I mean, I think the, the American fans will come out in droves. I think, the restrictions will probably be lifted globally in terms of you know being being able to attend the event. So I think you're going to see a ton of people. Toronto is becoming like a mini esports hub there in Canada, so like that should be pretty hype. And then I think San Francisco is going to be insane, uh, which I'm really yeah. excited about. So it's just the LCS. I mean, kudos to the event team uh, from the LCS side because they killed it. The production value was awesome. I mean, even the LCK, like the LCK's opening video, we, we I've been complaining to them like, hey, like step it up. These other leagues are killing it. Like they killed it. Like everyone's just kind of like trying to one up each other, which is really great to see. Cause I think the more and more people see the, the like the types of players we have, the level of production that we're producing, like it's just, it's going to bring more eyeballs to the sport. And I think it's only, it's only good thing for us. My question is completely unrelated to anything, but since um, we don't always have an opportunity to get to know the T1 players as people necessarily, because a lot of it is filtered through translation and stuff, um, having spent time with the team, what are a few things about T1 players themselves as people uh, outside the game that you can share with some T1 fans that are listening to this? Sure. Um, So... Owner is really, really into fitness, um, and he's been working out a ton with uh, one of our staff members named Paul, who played football in high school in the states. Like, he's really into working out. He put 15 pounds of muscle on, um, you know, when they started working out. And he like, obviously, when he got sick, like he lost a little bit of it, but he's he's working to get it back. But he's really excited to do a very like you know provocative Instagram post. Like he's really into like his Instagram, like like the kids are. So. Uh, once he gets to his uh, ideal physique, I think uh, the, the fans <laughs> will enjoy that thirst trap photo that'll probably come out. Um, so I, I, I think it's hilarious. I mean, he's and he has like the widest shoulders of anyone. Like if you try to stand next to him, it's a kind of comical because the guys are so pushed far apart. Um, obviously, Faker. I mean, I think what what does what people don't know about him at this point. I think you know. I think you're seeing the big brother side of Faker now, like this iteration of, you know, 
you know, I think people do like the splinter meme where it's like fakers, like old splinter and like the young turtles or whatever, but, or the old, um, but he is just faker from 2022 versus like the, and faker. I met 2019. He's just so adaptable to the circumstances. Um, you know, I appreciate kind of the way he's willing to, to, to play the team game and, and really do whatever it takes. Cause his play style from a, from a mechanic standpoint and gameplay he can play any type of mid style you need him to play. And I think he doesn't have to hard carry. This is not 20, 2016, right? 2017. He's, he lets the other guys, you know, shine and carry when they need to. And then when he has to take over, like the guys, I know they're talking about the aura of faker, but like there's something to be said when like the greatest of all time is sitting across from you and like you have to go try to win that lane. And I think, you know, Chobi's felt it many, many times, right? Faker's three and zero versus uh, versus Chovy in, in LCK finals. Like, it's just different. He brings that aura that, like, oh man, like that's a that's a tough out no matter what you do. So, um, I think his play style, the way it's changed, um, he's still getting you know player of the games, right? He's still able to carry when he needs to hyper carry, but is also able to facilitate. I think his facilitation allows the younger players to really thrive. That's why you saw someone like Owner, you know, win MVP of the finals, is because he's able to kind of set everyone up for success. Um, Gumayushi, I, I talk about this all the time. He's the literally the most confident person you'll ever meet. And it's amazing. And I just appreciate him. Like he's when they did the trash talk segment for the LCK finals, like you could feel like the kids were trying to be nice and like, there wasn't really trash talk, but like Gumayushi was just like, yeah, you're going to be second and I'm the best. And I was like, you know what? That's, but that's Gumayushi like Monday through Saturday and Sunday. Like that's not that's not him forcing that. That is that is what he is, hyper confident. Even when he wasn't playing for us, you know, and he was backing up Teddy, he was telling us just how good that he was. Uh, also, he has the voice of an angel. Uh, and we're dropping a video, I think, like this week, where him he's singing three songs and he's really good. Um, so watch out for that one. And then Caria, you know, look, <laughs> when we we just resigned Caria, which is obviously a pretty big deal considering he's the MVP of the league. And typically in Korea, you don't resign kind of mid year, but for us, when we identify, we want to, you know, we want to kind of build the dynasty around the squad, and we want to keep everyone in place. So Caria is obviously a huge a huge factor there. And um, he, uh, I was texting back and forth on uh, talk with him and. You know, just he just hit me with the emojis, and it's like, you know what? I love the cute emojis. I appreciate it, and he's just a good kid. He's grown so much in just the you know the the year and a half that he's been with T1, um, and he's um, he's really good. And I think he's really really smart. Like he's playing chess. Others are playing checkers sometimes. Like he's six steps ahead, and I don't know how he does it from a support position in terms of like reading the rift, but. Um, he is just, he sees the moves um, before they happen. And you can hear it on the voice comms. Um, I mean, we only put out select voice comms, but like you can hear it, you know, all the time. And something as simple as predicting the, when he did the backdoor to, to beat Don Juan, he was saying the other moves that were going to happen while he did that. Like, and that was happening up by the, uh, I think that was the Baron. So um, really, really smart guy. And then for, for Zeus, um, a guy that came into his own way quicker than any of us imagined. He's the youngest player on the team by far. 
Uh, and he's Caria's, uh, he's Caria's best buddy too. So like that duo, um, you know, they formed a bond. And I think too, which I hope people see in the videos, this team like truly gets along. And like a lot of teams you see and like the, the rise and fall of them is like, they're not getting along outside of the game. Um, these guys get along a ton and they, you can see it in the content. You can see it when they are streaming and they come scare each other in the middle of a stream and then just walk out of the room. Like they're enjoying each other's company. They're enjoying, um, kind of, you know, winning and, and doing it together. And, um, you know, I think, I think there's a lot to be said for that kind of chemistry and that kind of cohesion from a group of kids that have the, the weight of a country on their shoulders, uh, whenever they play. And, um, yeah, I've just been really kind of proud of how they've grown individually the past few years because they've been in our systems for quite some time too. So watching them go from challengers players to, to where they are now and, you know, rivaling people for the best of their position in the world. Um, I think it's been pretty awesome to see. That was, that was such a great breakdown of, of the players, especially cause I know there are a lot of, uh, Western fans who have watched the games or seen highlights or are familiar with the roster, but are not perhaps even yet consuming like the content or are really engaging, hopefully around the, the international um, events like MSI, we're able to all kind of dive in even more and, and find some of that. And you guys are producing a ton of this content over on your YouTube channel and all the stuff that people can see, right? Yeah, no, we, uh, each, each of the guys are getting their own YouTube channels. I think I made a bet with, with owner. He'd get English translations on his streams. He got that. Guma launches YouTube channel. So like the younger generations really, um, they're into trying to balancing being a pro gamer, but also kind of building up their own personal brands, which is unique to Korea. I think a couple of years ago, you weren't seeing that, right? It was just, I wanted to focus on the game, but I think they see the value. And I think Faker has set a really good example of, how to be both a high tier professional player, but also, you know, a business person and, and, and a celebrity. And, and you can do all those things. It's about compartmentalization. I think the best thing we did was bring in a sports psychologist to talk to the players and someone had no idea what League of Legends was and had no idea who they were and like help them I- identify ways to communicate with each other and their specific style of communication, how someone needs to talk to a specific player, how they need to talk to each other, how they accept feedback, um, you know, what their personality means, like that, all that stuff. And then that happened in December and look where we are now. Right. So it's like, I think that was a, a, just a smart move by Polt. He kind of big brained it and was like, I want to do this. Um, so kudos to him on that. I wish the one, if I had one complaint, but my guys, no one will play Garen. I've asked, I've offered a thousand dollars for a competitive in pro game, Garen, I asked moment, I'm like, hey man, like Garen, he's a good Garen's OP. I'm like, great, like who's gonna play him? Not a single person will play my favorite champion. It's like an ongoing joke now, um, but one of these days I'm gonna get my Garen gameplay and I'll, I'll be ecstatic for, I don't care who plays him, like whether he's mid or top or like, support, like anything. I'll take any Garen gameplay. Would be nice to see them play it against Saigon Buffalo. Like I, I'll just take it. Like just give me some Garen. That's what I want to see. You know, you said at the start of this that you try to keep your hands off uh, the team <laughs> and all this stuff, and now we hear that you're behind the scenes offering money for specific uh, picks. Garen. So I feel like it's a it's a <laughs> it's a different narrative. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for making the time. I know Emily and I have really, really appreciated uh, having a chance to talk to you, and it I think it just worked out really well. You're at the 
at G4 right now, and we're able to, to have this conversation with you ahead of the event. But uh, I know everybody is really looking forward to seeing uh, T1 face off against EG in the finals at MSI. So it's going to be fantastic uh, to see that five game series. It's uh, it's something we're really looking forward to. So thanks for making it on to the show. Really great to have you today. No, thanks for having me. And hey, you know what? I actually appreciate JoJo from EG. He walked up to the line. He didn't talk about Faker. He's like, ah, I'm not going to talk about him. I was like, that's a smart, <laughs> that's a well-coached <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, to wait, let's, we'll wait and see how the event goes. Uh, he might he, he might not be able to control that for too much longer. So No, I'm excited. Um, and I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to get on a plane here in like a, a day or so and, and get over to Busan and see, uh, see it all in person and, and kind of hopefully uh, go on a run. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. Again, thank you so much for uh, sitting down with us today, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you maybe after MSI and see how good. things go. Thanks, guys. All right, that's the show, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we have something special for you, which is, you know, you might have noticed we don't have uh, the Q&A and the poll and all that stuff that we normally have uh, in this episode. We just wanted to talk to Joe and... We've decided that we're going to actually do a special episode next week that will release on Monday so that we have something out early uh, before MSI officially begins. That's where we'll do last week's Q&A and poll. We'll give you a new one and we'll do all the fun stuff that you normally expect from a Rift Reaction episode. And we are also, you know, fingers crossed, hoping to grab a couple of exclusive interviews over the course of the event. Hopefully something as a bonus episode next week. So stay tuned for that. But we'll catch you all uh, for the special episode next Monday. And thanks for listening. And thanks again to Joe.